Hey guys, I'm your host Chelsea and welcome to the Slided Podcast where I interview magicians as well as uh, other weeks I do uh, mini episodes with Eric and Sebastian. Today I'm talking to Garrett Thomas and this is probably at this point now my favorite uh, interview. Just as we covered such a wide variety of topics on so many different things that I really didn't expect uh, to talk about, I talked to Garrett for over an hour. So we, um, so I've broken this podcast up into two parts, and this will be the first half. So it, it actually, this just, just fair warning, the podcast both begins and ends a little bit abruptly. Uh, we hit record, and I said, all right, we're going to start the show in just a minute. I start talking to Garrett about his performance that I saw at Magic Live, and then upon reviewing uh, just this podcast, I ended up really liking like every single moment with Garrett, and I didn't want to take anything out. Hence, why you'll hear us just you'll you know this is one of the podcasts you're going to get to hear sort of the behind the scenes a little bit, and that you know I'm telling Garrett sort of what to expect, and um, my brother Eric is the producer, so I talked to him a little bit, so you'll hear all that. Um, this man, this was just such a fascinating interview um, because we start out talking a little bit about his life, which uh, was awesome, and then moved on to magic theory as well as how magic is an art form, and just hearing someone who's so passionate about what they love just ends up filling you with that passion. I mean, I know I'm still somewhat of an outsider in that I don't perform magic. I guess I'm more of a magic enthusiast, but sometimes, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't fully get it, um, since I'm, you know, this isn't my own personal craft, but when you just get to sit down with someone as passionate as Garrett, it it just gets you excited. You're like, oh, wow, this is amazing, because you're so excited about what you're talking about. So, yes, we talk about, um, magic as an art, um, a little bit about uh, performing for restaurant magic. I think what else we talked about. Um, yeah, just all sorts of stuff. It was really great, really deep. It gets philosophical at points. It's awesome. And I really just think any magician can learn from this interview. Not only was it just enjoyable conversation, he also really does um, give practical advice for magicians. There's a lot to take away from it. And I'd recommend, if you're a magician listening to this, to also check out the article because maybe there'll be some quotes that you might want to, like, jot down, write down to keep to, you know, remind yourself um, when uh, when you're, you know, putting together a performance or an act. So, yeah, that's about all. Let's go ahead and just jump right on in. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> right. Um... Eric, are you good for us to start? All right, give me two seconds. We don't have two seconds! Give me one second. Eric's the producer, so he usually doesn't talk, but once in a blue moon he might just... Chime in? Chime in yeah, he chimes in, yeah. From the, from the back of the room? Yeah, he'll just be like, hey! Ask him about billiard balls! <laughs> <laughs> Which, before we get started, I don't think I got to tell you in person I really enjoyed seeing you at Magic Live. Yeah? That was really cool. great. Yeah. Like, I really liked the... I think the thing that stood out the most was the production of the... Um, the 8-Ball? Yes, the, yeah, the 8-Ball. Oh, the 8-Ball. Production of the 8-Ball? Like, or the Rubik's with Cube? The, or? 
No, with the wasn't that coming out of a wallet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. That that visual to me was just yeah, so fun. That's, that's a that's a running gag throughout my show. Uh, it's it's weird because a lot of people want to learn it. And, yeah, and it's it's something I can't really teach because the symbols of what the eight ball is 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 deeper than you know so it's it's part of my character my mm-hmm. father was a billiard player he played uh pool as a hustler are we recording what right? yeah yeah we're recording oh we are yeah beautiful that's me chiming in when no you know what well i can kind of yeah, yeah. if you want to just jump back in that's so, totally fine so at magic live i i did the eight ball coming out of the wallet and it's uh, it's there's a lot of symbolism mm-hmm. in that uh first off i don't call attention to it it's just something that's in the way um, and then, oh yeah, that's this thing I carry. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's. Um, I never wanted to have a magic act. You know, okay. I, when I was a kid, I didn't say I want to grow up and pretend to be a magician. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a magician. Nobody says I want to pretend to be a doctor. So, years ago, I used to have this thing in my show where I would break character because I'd have my radio voice on and I'd be all funny and then I would go, well, let me explain what's really going on. And I'd break character and magic still happened. And, and so it was designed to say that even outside of the act, the magic still exists. Right. Now, the broken character is my act. <laughs> so it's just a conversation and I yeah. just hang out and magic happens. So now the eight ball is this thing that is just this organic thing that's in my way that I forgot I had an eight ball in it in my wallet <laughs> I even have a really great moment that uh, I'll give someone the eight ball and make a joke about it but then I'll put my wallet away and then later in the show I bring out the wallet and I'm looking for the eight ball and I'm like but it could, oh you have it as if I didn't as if right. I didn't know right. as if I was going to expect the eight ball yeah, to be yeah. uh, and it's this real weird convincer and uh, so the the thing that I love about that eight ball trick is It's the only effect that I do where the magic stops when I perform it. And the eight ball is the symbol of infinity because of the figure eight. Oh, okay. So when the eight ball is out of the wallet, it's a wallet and an eight ball, nothing magic. When the eight ball is in the wallet and then goes in my back pocket, it is in a constant state of magic. It is frozen in a magical state. Uh Uh-huh. And people looking at me like the old cigarette vanish where he's got a lit cigarette on him somewhere, <laughs> right? Uh, where people are looking at, at me going, there's an eight ball in that guy's wallet. Right now it is magic. And then when I perform it, I'm stopping the magic. Okay. So that's why I chose the eight ball is it's like this infinite state of magic. And, you know, it's, it's so much a part of my character and it's a through line through my act and it's a callback thing. Uh, that you know, I, I've, I've never, I never could teach it until I'm retiring. You know, my character. Okay, that makes know. sense. How long have you um, used the eight ball in your act? Well, I have a portrait, the self portrait I did in high school, and I hadn't had the eight ball then. Oh, okay, so wow. So I've been probably since I was fifteen, that's, sixteen. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. And I started really getting serious when I was sixteen years old and doing shows. And I have this uh, this self portrait. Uh, we, we can find it and show it to you. Okay. Um, of me with uh, with hair, with horrible curly, curly, curly hair, and uh, it's uh, I'm surrounded by aliens, and uh, in the picture I'm the alien, 
So, uh, and in my hand is the eight ball. And I had my broken glasses, and the real me is in the background. Uh, the, nice. the, Which one would be considered the real? Oh, I see. Aha. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and great. so the, in that picture, there's 10 aliens watching me perform. And in essence, I become the alien because I'm the weird person in the room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, this was my style. I did cards and I had the jumbo coin and the, the cups and balls and, you know, the crowd of people losing their mind. Mm-hmm. They, all, all of them are aliens. And the real me is tucked away in a corner. Yeah. Here. And this was a self-portrait I did uh, back in back in high school. That's a really great self-portrait because it's got a lot of layers and there's a lot going on in it. Is that something you would? Could we yep. post that yeah, with we'll the article? Okay, cool. So we're gonna just for the anyone that's listening, if you want to see the photo of what we're talking about, it'll be online at uh, slided.com under Garrett Thomas. So um, going back to that photo. Because in the photo or in the self portrait, you see yourself kind of like in the corner. Mm-hmm. Is that representative of like any insecurities? Yes. Or okay, yeah. Uh, it you know a lot of people you know get into magic as a mask, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something we really want to be careful in the magic community that uh, I now don't teach children magic. Um, if a kid is interested in magic, I teach them juggling. I'll teach them a coin roll. I want to empower them. I want to give them something that they can be, I can do this. Okay. Instead of teaching them to hide. Because magic can really quickly be used as a mask to empower yourself when you don't feel uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. So if there's some uh, childhood trauma or abuse uh, that, that a lot of us go through, mm-hmm. uh, you can use masks to kind of distance yourself from mm-hmm. the reality of life. And that does happen a lot in the magic community. And I see adults that still haven't gotten through that. Right. And uh, hopefully you grow out of that and you become a magician if that's your path, uh, as did I. But uh, it did definitely stem from this, you know, my father never came to the baseball games or the football Mm -hmm. games. But 3 o'clock in the morning, wake up, wake up, show my friend some magic. Uh, Uh, It was, uh, it got his attention. And no matter what type of household it was, you always seek that attention right absolutely and so it it instilled obsession at an early Mm -hmm. age so I I started liking magic when I was about six years old got serious when I was about 12 started doing shows when I was 16 um, and you know haven't stopped doing restaurant magic since I was 16 years old wow where I'm outperforming minimum of three nights a week and now I do seven venues a week Wow. So uh, over the years, I went up to seven, down to five. and So I'm usually fluctuating somewhere between okay. five and seven venues a week Okay. in Western New York when I'm, uh, when I'm not doing shows. So I do that much work when I'm... That's how I practice, basically. Right. So I would assume then, like, for you, that's your passion is performing in, in yeah, that venue specifically. It is... It is uh, it's now become so much a part of me that I, I get weird if I'm not performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, when I go on vacation, which I don't ever <laughs> go on vacation, because, you know, it just drives me mad to not give this these moments. You right. know, I have friends that go, oh, don't you want to go skydiving or zip lining? I'm like, it's cool, and I'll do it if it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I'm like... 
I'm, I, I'm giving moments of magic to people. Right. Yes, I could go on a zip line and have a great moment for myself. Mm-hmm. Or I can have the same level of enjoyment performing and give 12 other people an amazing, you know, right. show. Right. You know, I... Uh, you know what's what's the greater good and to me i'd rather i love the the uh, the adrenaline of being in the performance of mm-hmm. magic and i love that connection with audiences and now it's a win-win situation and instead of being selfish and just doing a zipline mm-hmm. for myself i have the ability to give a gift that makes it rewarding for everyone right so what's you know to me i would rather do that and you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of magicians look at me and I, I have my bag with me mm-hmm. you know, while talking here with you. And yeah. uh, this bag has, you know, 12 hours of magic in it. Wow. You know, I'm always ready to do a show okay. at any second, at any time, anywhere. Okay. And a lot of pros are looking at me like, why do you do that? Like, what, you know. Because you know, I think a lot of other magicians probably don't like. To be well, they need a contract, and they want to be paid, and right. they, they this is their job, and this is their livelihood, and and I'm like, yeah, and I do too. However, you know who who am I when I see someone that's mm-hmm. having a bad day? Mm-hmm. It costs me nothing. Yeah, I you know, I I could I could give them a hundred dollar bill and cheer them up. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing a waitress struggling and she's having a bad day, give her a hundred dollar tip. She's having a great day. Mm-hmm. Changed her day, or I can spend no money, mm-hmm. give her twenty seconds of my time doing something I love doing anyway, mm-hmm. and change her day. Maybe her week, maybe her month, maybe her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who who am I not to always be ready to do that? Yeah, because I don't know who I'm going to meet and I don't know what people need. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly ready to provide, you know, I'm assessing mm-hmm. every person I meet and trying to figure out, is there something that the world of magic can illustrate that will help them in where they're at today? Right. Is, you know, they're struggling with something. We're all working on something that we're trying to get through. And magic illustrates so many good things about perception and reality and, and how to deal mm-hmm. with, uh, with everything. And, uh, you know, it's all an illusion. Yeah. So you could put it where you want it to be. So who am I to not spend 20 seconds, you know, even even an hour if I had to, uh, to to change someone's day? Yeah. I love hearing, every time I interview a magician, uh, they always have something to say about magic on a, so far that I've interviewed, on a deeper level than it's just a trick. Um, not deeper, but what you mm-hmm. kind of just were saying is like magic is, a, I don't know, you ha- I can't even reword what you just said, but just the, uh, that it's more than just an illusion. Yeah. Right? It has an, it has a, the ability to affect people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the school of magicians that don't believe magic is real and think they create the illusion of magic. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Magic is real. I just pointed out. Uh, there's so much that is magic that we ignore. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, my meat computer of a brain is chemically constructing concepts somehow, and I'm transmitting them through muscles that I'm 
able to control and make noises and this sound is projecting through the air into your ears into this microphone into everyone listening to us now and translating that back into their meat computer mm-hmm. that's chemically giving them new ideas mm-hmm. if that's not magic i don't know what is yeah you know it's now called talking and texting and communication right. and it's nothing but right. it's everything Right. You know, so Picasso said that art is the lie that makes you realize the truth. And to me, for you to understand the color black, you have to have the color white. Right. Everything becomes true based on its con- uh, contrast, uh, based on its opposites. You can't know it tastes good if you've never tasted anything bad. Right. And so for you to know what's true, you have to know what's untrue. So if, if art is a lie that makes you realize the truth. Magic becomes the exaggeration of reality for you to understand what is real. Mm -hmm. Magic is an abstraction. It's technically not magic. It's abstract performance art. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salvador Dali never wanted you to believe that there was a melting clock in the middle of the desert. Mm -hmm. He just wanted you to experience it. Mm -hmm. The magician isn't supposed to sell you on anything supernatural. We put the word trick in it to tell you there is a way it's not supernatural there is a trick to it today we have people trying to trick you with magic but that's not the what the magic trick meant Mm -hmm. it was a symbol or a statement of method Mm -hmm. there is a trick to the magic there is a method to the madness and that's what you're supposed to provide your magicians are a safe way to experience death without dying It's a safe way to experience abstractions and absurdities and chaos Mm -hmm. in an environment that's controlled. Mm -hmm. Much like a roller coaster is a safe way to experience a fall without a splat. And alcohol is a safe way to experience poisoning yourself to death without killing you. Uh, And there's many things, you know, watching horror movies are like, why would we do this to ourselves? What's a safe way to experience, I don't want to be chased by a man with a gun. But I'll sit there in a, in a movie and watch it for two hours. Right. Right? Because it's a safe way to experience that emotion. And as advanced emotional creatures, it seems like we need more than just positive experiences as long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. So we are willing to push our boundaries. And magic does that. Magic mm-hmm. pushes people's boundaries into absurdity, into abstraction. And when you're faced with that, you learn more about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's what every art form is about. Every art form is an excuse to meet another human being. Uh, and in that exchange, you learn more about yourself. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're trying to figure out. The right. reason why we leave the home, the reason why we turn our, on our computer, the reason why we, we do anything. I can have Amazon deliver me all my food. I can have it deliver me all my packages. I don't need to leave my house. I can give lectures now on Amazon or not, but on, but online. Right online. Yeah, I can. I can. I don't have to leave my house ever again. Mm-hmm. But I am here. Right. Well, we do this because everything we love, everything we hate, is part of the puzzle that is our identity. Right. And in these exchanges, whether good or bad, whether you see a magician you like or don't like, whether you see an artist, an art piece you like or don't like, or music, a song you don't like or, or do like, it, everything becomes part of your zeitgeist of self, mm-hmm. your, your idea of your identity. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do it. 
So I want all my exchanges to be authentic. I want all that. And when you do something different, people have to reevaluate self. Mm-hmm. So if they've heard a great song, man, it takes a real... I mean, you have your, your favorite songs. Right. And, and it, it's harder and every year it gets harder and harder to find a song that moves you. Right. Because you, you, you know who you are in relationship to music. Because mm-hmm. we're over... We have too much music in our society. So now it takes something new. So a magician does something so absurd, and it's not even part of the world we live in. It's a fourth dimension type of experience. Mm -hmm. And the magician is able to present this moment to you, and you have to Mm reevaluate. You have to go, "That that happened, but it didn't happen. And how do I... How do I adjust my idea of self and mm-hmm. truth based on the fact that I just experienced this thing that didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that tricks people into being in the moment and philosophy. Yeah. It tricks people into considering self based on the experience of this absurdity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the only way you knew it was absurd is if you were very active. Magic is an active art form. You have to be watching and go, okay, the Ten of Clubs is on top of the deck. He just turned it there. It's still on top. He hasn't moved it. He turned it, and it's not the Ten of Clubs anymore. What happened? Where did it go? Oh, it's in his pocket. How did it get there? If you missed a step there, you wouldn't even know an effect happened. Mm -hmm. If you weren't really paying attention. So it can't be a passive art form. It's engaging. Mm -hmm. That's why I watch so many performers force things into it that make it too complicated they add a story to it and now they have to keep track of all the objects involved and listen to this moving story you know uh you know michael weber in his lecture said that the best story wins and then i'm watching generations of magicians add story to their magic but what he really meant is he who is the best story wins Mm -hmm. the reason guys like david blaine and houdini won is because they, as individuals, were the best story. Right. They didn't tell a story. They were the story. Right. And when you're with someone, you want to be the story they tell tomorrow. Right. I met this yeah. guy. Right. Right? That makes so much sense because yes. I would say, and I never would be, I've never been able to like explain why, but I would say that's my least favorite magic is when there's a story involved because I'm just like, because I, I just immediately feel like I just kind of turn my, like, I just shut down. Like, I hit a point where I'm like, I can't, like... Well, it's... Because most of the time you know it's made up. It doesn't yeah. fit. And it... And, yeah. Well, even if it wasn't made up, you could, yeah. it would be palatable if it was delivered properly. Right. So imagine if a director had the women poison the drink the moment a new character walked on stage. Mm-hmm. Half the audience would miss that the drink got poisoned. Because they had two things going on simultaneously. Right. Imagine two spotlights. Mm-hmm. You leave it to the audience to either pay attention to the one or the other because they can't watch both. Mm-hmm. So when you do a story while you're moving, mm-hmm. the audience has to choose one of them to ignore. And are they going to ignore the story that's probably fake? Or are they going to ignore the moves? And in most magic performances, the story becomes annoying because you have to ignore the story. Because if you miss any little thing in the right. moves, you're not even going to experience magic. Mm-hmm. And you came there for magic. Right. So you have always are going to ignore the story. Now, let's keep the fake story in play. If you don't move, 
while you're telling the story. Just tell the story. Uh, in Derek's play, in and of itself, he does four magic tricks. Eric's sighing because he hasn't seen it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? He does four magic tricks and he tells stories, but he's never telling a story during like the, the effect. effect. Okay. And so I have a rule that I do in my own magic. Don't move while talking and don't talk while moving. Mm-hmm. And that will create a cadence between. So even if you really think you need the story, and the first thing is, if the effect works without the story, eliminate it. Mm-hmm. If anything works without any part, eliminate it. Yeah. Simplify, simplify, mm-hmm. simplify. If you can, if you can do the same trick in one phase instead of four, eliminate three phases. If you can communicate the same effect, if you could tell the same, if you could be the same story. Eliminate it. Right. So if the trick works without the weird made-up fake story that people are going to ignore and, and forget about anyway, eliminate it. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I guess there's probably... Obviously, there's going to be some magicians, right, that can uh, incorporate stories well because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's coming from a place that I think is representative of them as an yeah. individual. It's like who they are. They are a storyteller. Exactly. That that, but that's another so art form. Yeah, exactly. It fits. You're not, it's not something you just memorize and did because it's a part of who you are. Because I think some, for me, the magicians I've stood out as the best or that I've enjoyed the most is that they are performing in a way that makes them so unique. They're incorporating either their own personality or maybe they've just created a character, but it's still, they've owned it. It's become who they are and it's so awesome to watch. And then I've seen other magicians that I can just tell right away, like, they're doing something that's not representative of mm-hmm. themselves. Like, they're just like, oh, I've seen this and now I'm going to yep. do it. Like, I'm just... Yeah. And they haven't figured out who they are, I guess. I mean... No, and that's because, to go back to what I said about art, as the observer, you, to, to learn more about yourself, you have to seek out that which is authentic. Mm-hmm. And the audience comes to you honestly. They come to you as you. And when you represent yourself authentically, it's it's perfect. That exchange goes back and forth and it's an honest exchange. Now, if you want to represent a character that's not you, you better study study acting. You better study... Because you, to have to create a character that's also authentic, Mm -hmm. guys like Rob Zabrecki, that are able to nail it and play a character... That is either an exaggeration of themselves or something totally off, mm-hmm. but they nail that character so well that it is authentic, mm-hmm. and that exchange is still true. But mm-hmm. you know, comedy magic, showmanship magic, storytelling magic, character magic—those are two art forms combined. So it, you have to be a hundred percent proficient at your magic alone, right? And the the safest, easiest, most efficient thing is just be yourself with that. Because you can't mess that up. But if you want to do comedy magic, you can't do 50% magic and 50% comedy. You now are combining two arts, which means you have to do 100% magic and 100% comedy, and you've got to be proficient at two things. And the only guys yes. that succeed in comedy magic are guys like Matt King and Penn and & Teller because they non- understand they're doing 100% comedy 
and 100% magic, and they don't let them overlap too much. There are artistic reasons to do comedy and magic simultaneously, but most of it is something funny, now something magical. Right. And they create this cadence and rhythm that is beautiful and we, worth watching. But I see many magicians go, well, I'm not really good at magic, so I'm going to add a joke. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. No. You can't yeah. use another art form to... Uh, fill in the cracks that you don't want to fix. Because that's it. like a crutch at mm -hmm. that point, yep. right? And and, I mean, and it, you're setting yourself for up for a huge stra struggle, a huge disappointment, and definite failure. You over, you know you might get paid a lot of money for those first couple of shows, but you're not getting hired back. Mm. You know you you are you are not going to create a lasting connection with people because you're you're coming at it half half hearted. Right. I actually. So one of our um, listeners, this actually is a question that's popped up a couple of times where, and I think you've mostly answered it, but I just wanted to read out exactly what they asked. It said, uh, the question is, where do you think magic and comedy intersect? So Ar we Artistically, kind of they, they do intersect thematically right. uh, in the fact that we have a setup and a punchline and a setup and an effect. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of um, similar... Uh, struggles that a comedian faces in structure, that a magician faces in structure. Mm -hmm. in, in most magicians, uh, if you find a comedian friend that'll talk to you, because uh, <laughs> most comedians hate magicians. Really? Yep. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I uh, comedians believe that magicians will steal every joke that they tell if it fits in their show. Okay. And the reason they believe that is because it's true. <laughs> That's fair. Um, all right, I'm ending the podcast a little abruptly because he's. Um, I stopped the podcast here with him talking about how comedians hate magicians because he's going to go into a story. So tune back in next week to get this story. He references the story twice throughout the last 30 minutes um, of our interview, so I wanted it to be uh, sequential and together, so hence why I stopped right before he tells this story. Um, it's a great story. I hope you enjoyed the first half, and it honestly just gets even better. So uh, tune in next week to hear the rest of the interview with Garrett Thomas.